Welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Today, we're going to discuss an idea that's kind of out there, way out there, internet from the sky or even from space. For well over a decade, there have been attempts to do internet or other communications from space. Teledesic was a huge attempt to do satellite-based broadband around the globe. Its original plan was to spend $9 billion on nearly 800 satellites. That plan was scaled back then back some more, and eventually it died completely. Iridium and Global Star were two other giant satellite failures for satellite-based communications, spending billions of dollars before going into bankruptcy. Non-satellite solutions have been suggested as well. Over a decade ago, we routinely mocked the idea of internet from balloons, blimps, floating platforms, and even something called a stratolite. These ideas seem to pop up every few months, and none of them turned into anything real. However, in the last year or so, people have been paying a lot of attention to these ideas, in large part thanks to big internet companies like Facebook and Google investing in and experimenting with broadband from a variety of high-flying systems, including balloons, blimps, drones, and satellites. Just recently, Google and Elon Musk's SpaceX have talked about teaming up to build an internet via satellite system, while Google has insisted that its balloon-based Project Loon isn't such a loony idea. And while we've mocked many of these efforts a decade ago, today I'm a lot more intrigued, but not necessarily by the news that Google and Facebook are doing it, but the possibility that it may not be long until lots of companies or or organized communities might launch their own. There are many differences today than a decade ago. First off, the technology. One of the reasons why those big satellite systems were such a dud was because satellites were insanely costly to build and to launch, and they failed regularly. So you'd spend many millions building each satellite, millions to launch them, and there was a good chance that they'd fail anyway. That's a very tough business. But thanks to cheap and open source hardware and software, it's possible to build a simple CubeSat or nano satellite for next to nothing. I recently had the chance to hold a $100 satellite in my hands, and the company has already launched a few of those into space. At $100, you don't care if it fails. Hell, you could throw a bunch of those into space, and if half of them fail, just throw up a bunch more. They're not good enough yet for doing internet access, but you can get there before long. With low Earth Earth orbit offerings, you can get decent speeds, The latency might not be great for gamers, but for almost everything else, it's perfectly good. And the other pricey bit, the launching, is starting to get much cheaper as well. Right now, many satellites are launched as ride-alongs, rockets that are going up anyways, often from Russia, for other purposes, with some spare cargo space. It's still expensive, but it's incremental revenue for whoever's launching the rocket, and with the rapid advances in private space flight, These things are going to come down in price incredibly fast, making it much, much, much cheaper to launch satellites. Combine super cheap satellites launched in bulk with super cheap launches, and suddenly a new world of possibility emerges, one that could upend many of the big legal and policy challenges that we often talk about. 
Yes, right now, companies with massive bank accounts like Google and Facebook are focused on this. But if the price gets down low enough, imagine groups like Amnesty International, the ACLU, or even the Pirate Party launching their own global network, not under any single country's jurisdiction. Net neutrality battles could become a thing of the past. Fights over censorship? Well, there would be a lot of other options. Issues about copyright infringement suddenly become very different when the single point of attack are no longer as easily accessible. Of course, it would also raise a number of other regulatory issues. Space law is a field that exists but would suddenly become a lot more interesting. Jurisdictional battles become a lot more interesting as well. But is this all a likely scenario, or have I been taking in too much helium from the balloons? Here to discuss, yet again, are Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. So, internet from space. Wow. So, there's so many questions here, right? There's When you were talking about the price of the microsatellites being $100, mm -hmm. I think... I, I do understand that modern full-size satellites are very expensive, and that's certainly an issue. But from what I understand about the nanosatellites, the launch cost is still not trivial. And sure. I, I know you're, you're, you're projecting and you're saying, you know, there's going to be commercial entities that will do cheap launches like SpaceX and, you know, perhaps even the ISRO, which is the Indian mm -hmm. um, launch company, and maybe, you know, any other, you know, a bunch of other companies might get into the business as well, and competition will be good and prices will fall. Um, regardless of like launching things into space is so complicated, I really, you know, a cash-strapped sort of an entity that has so many priorities like the ACLU or... Um, or, or Amnesty International. I, I, I just, I, I find it hard to believe the, the launch price would fall so far. But let's say it did. Let's say it did. Let's say, let's say it fell that far. Right. When you get into the sort of the business of launching satellites that now traverse over the skies of governments that really don't want this free communication going on, and you also need to go into those countries and do humanitarian missions and things like that. Mm -hmm. It becomes really complicated, I think, you, because you are an entity that's sort of no longer like this sort of um, NGO, you know, nonprofit kind of thing. You're doing something that is fundamentally destabilizing for some totalitarian regimes, right? You're 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 an author of this action of bringing this communication. I think it really changes the yeah, the I relationship mean, between these NGOs and the governments. Well, where okay, you so, know what I mean? so so you're assuming okay, so you know, take Amnesty International out of the question. But even then, like I mean, even even in cases where those guys, you know, those guys come in and they attack the government all the time in terms of you know uh, pushing back on government action and and calling them out so i don't see how this is necessarily any different in that they're just you know supplying a tool but but even again you know take take those guys out of the equation right so say it's just the pirate party or say it's just a bunch of people who get together on kickstarter and agree to fund mm -hmm. a, a global network like this then what I think it'll be the same kind of thing as we see when it comes to uh, you know these dark markets on like on like Tor and Onion, right? Where where they they seem really invulnerable um, to sort of state interference in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then you see the state doing all these other things that sort of they're not so invulnerable anymore. They're quite vulnerable, right? Right. And I think. Um, Anti-satellite technology has been around for a while, right? Um, it's certainly not, you know, as precise as, like, say, an anti-ship technology or something like that. But I, th I think a, a lot of the major nation states know how to take down satellites. Right. But, and, but are they going to take down the entire network, right? I mean, right. like, yes, you can argue, like, sure, they're going to say, okay, you know, so 
You're right, right. If somebody were to set up mm-hmm. a network like this, right, certainly you'd have Silk Road-like entities that would embrace it immediately, very right. quickly, right? Um, and so you'd have the same sort of thing that, that you have now with, with hidden sites where people say like, oh, it's mostly used for, for you know, things mm. like that. But, 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 they don't, but the government didn't shut down Tor, right? right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, would the government try and, sh- you know, to, to, to use anti-satellite technology, you're talking about like actually, you know, knocking satellite communications out completely. And that's, that's going well, pretty well, far. Well, I'm talking about a specific scenario. I'm not talking about a single nation state wiping out and ent- like, uh, you know, the pirate party's entire network. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking of is, let's say, for example, let's really say it was the pirate party. Mm-hmm. And they launched this network and this network spans everywhere, including North America. Sure. And, and, and kids are using this network that has, you know, the telecoms have absolutely no ability to uh, do any kind of censorship on this network. And all of a sudden, you know, they go to Washington, D.C. and they say, hey, you know, there's these satellites flying over our jurisdiction and they are transmitting this stuff. Yeah, but they're in space, right? They are so in it's space. Not, it's, not, right, it's not their jurisdiction. It's not their jurisdiction. It wouldn't be the first time Uncle Sam has done something that's <laughs> not exactly in their jurisdiction, right? Like like the, the, what was it, mega upload, the servers seizing those. Like, those aren't in the U.S., Jurisdiction either, but well, they have the, ways the of servers. Doing it. The servers were well. well I, I mean, they they seized a bunch of servers in the U.S. and and then in New Zealand where they had a partnership. But that, but it, I mean, so the the argument that you're making there, which which is I think potentially valid, which is right now space is something of a free for all, right? So if this happens, then suddenly do nation states begin to divide up space and say my jurisdiction. It, it doesn't even require serenity, right? It, it, you don't have to be a sovereign controller of the space. It can mm-hmm. be something like, for example, piracy in the open seas. All the countries get together, all the nation states get together and say, we don't want pirates. And then they just enable any nation state to take action almost unilaterally. Again, but, but, but what, right? right, but what action are you taking in, in, in these cases, right? Are you going to be pulling down all of these satellites? So here's where I think it, 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 the copyright industries are quite powerful. And I'm not saying it would play out like this, sure. but it could be something along the lines of you have an international set of agreements like the WTO agreements, right, mm-hmm. WIPO, where it basically says uh, a nation state is permitted to intercept a satellite that enters its airspace or space space. I don't know what you're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, if... Uh, that satellite is transmitting the uh, data that's in contravention of their intellectual property rights or something like that, right? They, they, they would come up with a framework. If it, it depends how quickly these things evolve, right? Like right. If, they, if it turns out it evolved and the citizens embrace it so strongly that um, it, it creates a backlash, sort of like with the net neutrality stuff and mm-hmm. the, the Time Warner and Comcast merger kind of stuff, right? Where people, it kind of blindsides policymakers. Like, whoa, like everyone's actually paying attention to this? We thought this was a sideshow. Or SOPA is probably the best example of that, right? right? Where people don't realize that a particular thing, if, if, if that's what happens, if basically people underestimate how much people care about these networks, then it's true it would become difficult for nation so, states to do so, it, but, but I, I don't know if it would happen. So, so, let, me, so let me give you a counterexample, right? So, or not a counterexample, but, but a, a potentially realistic scenario of how this plays out, right? So right now you have Google and Facebook that are really investing pretty heavily in these ideas. So if they build their own global networks and they do it and that becomes established and it becomes this wonderful thing because suddenly there's global internet access. No matter where you go, you have the same internet access. And then... It gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and the pirate party or someone like that are able to do it on their own. Then suddenly, it actually becomes pretty difficult because how do you argue that the pirate party's satellites need to be taken down while Google and Facebook's are okay? It's very easy. And the way you do it is you basically make... See, Google 
and uh, Facebook, etc., will be these registered entities, right? That 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 have an army of lawyers to fill out all the regulatory sure. forms in all these different jurisdictions, and the Pirate Party, etc., won't, right? And they they won't, and and in exchange, Google and Facebook, etc., will will tow certain copyright laws. They'll they'll basically submit themselves to the jurisdictions of wherever they operate, right? And and they've shown that that they're willing to do that. They don't want to yeah. sort of be this. Um, this, uh, you know, anarchist uh, showboat, you know, kind of thing, or uh, that's not the right term, but they don't want to be like the sort of the flag bearer, right? But, I mean, For, you, you don't think that, you know, if, if there has to be, well, I mean, there are a few different issues there. One is just like the, the general regulatory burden in terms of if there have to be like, you know, paperwork or stuff that has to be filled out. Like, I could definitely see the, you know, the Pirate Party organizing enough lawyers who would be willing to do that work for them. To get fully permitted or whatnot. So. Yeah, you know the the question then is whether or not there would be other regulations. But it, it know, would not you, allow permitting. Could, that's so the thing. so could but but how would you set that up? Right. I mean, how could you you would permit the ability to launch a satellite on the fact that you can't launch the satellite if it is used for copyright infringement? No, 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 not the satellite launch. Mm -hmm. The satellite operation actually. Right. But if, it, if it's just a router, how do you do that? So you would basically say you're you're like an ISP. You're responsible for doing right, X, but, Y, Z but, monitoring but, of what's being. But but you're jumping ahead because right now ISPs aren't responsible for no, that. You're, you're, that's that's what I meant by when I said that the the these the copyright industries would have to move quickly, right? And they they would have to sort of try to get these right. frameworks in place. And and, and, but, and and they would face amazing pushback because the second they did that, you would have the ISPs who are pretty powerful in their own right who mm -hmm. would say, no way, because they know if that is the way that space law develops, mm -hmm. it's going to come down to earth as well. And so I don't, I don't yeah, think... Yeah, you, you might be right about that. I don't that. think the copyright industry could pull that off. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be defined by like the first use cases of these nano satellites, right? Like, right. like who's going to be launching them and for what purpose? And well, the you know, I mean, and uh, you know, what's really likely to happen is that the first the first cases and the use cases are going to be providing broadband access in Africa, right, or right. places that aren't covered right now. So, you know, the the initial use cases. Are, are going to be like kind that. of the the original Iridium satellite phone use case, right? right? Exactly the the Iridium case, and and you know certainly depending on how it's set up, it might not take long until you know Silk Road five or whatever they're up to at that time, right? Um, shows up using that kind of network, but but the it, thing about know, Silk Road is that I mean it doesn't necessarily need its own network. It, no. it, it sits on top of existing IP mm -hmm. networks, right? right. So y you know what, it's I, just another avenue. Well, an interesting thing about Silk Road is if you think about how state entities um, actually crack down on something like Silk Road, they mm -hmm. oftentimes they need to get either virtual or physical access to the server. Right. 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 And a server based in space is certainly probably just as vulnerable to sort of virtual access. Right. Um, but it's certainly not physically accessible in the same way, right? Like it's just flying yeah. around in space. You actually have to, I mean, imagine law enforcement bodies now need to actually have something to go yeah. up there. Well, that, I and mean, destroying is easy. Intercepting and bringing that back down as evidence, that's that's hard. Especially if... And I don't even know, is destroying that easy? I mean... I think uh, it's, I mean, basically they have these things that are like, kind of right. kill devices right that they I guess we did land on a comet so <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> we can target it yeah and they, they do like a shotgun approach is what I suspect right they, they, they don't I need no, to no they don't need to make a that. single projectile 
find a single satellite. You just fire a bunch of. But but even I mean, but yeah, I mean, and that's even going a step further. I mean, I wasn't even talking about launching servers into space, but I just routers, just the routers. In theory, you. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? So if you want to keep stuff out of jurisdiction, maybe you do launch servers. My question is like, why, like, why, why would you want to spend all this time and energy and cost? to launch stuff into space when feasibly a terrestrial solution might be just as good. But right? see, the problem is, so so my argument is that the terrestrial solution is never going to be as good because there's always going to be a jurisdictional issue where someone is going to say, I control this and therefore I can shut it down in some way. Right. Right. So the argument is if, you know, and, and, and there's, there are a couple of different arguments to get to here, but you know, the point that I'm making is once you get to space, you're you're suddenly out of one particular country's jurisdiction. And there have been these sort of random attempts to do this. And, and there was the whole um, uh, silly attempt with Sealand, which was like, you know, this offshore oil platform yeah. that they declared oh, as a that, sovereign country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a Was it disaster. an uh, oil platform or was it like yeah. a World it was War II gun yeah, platform? It was a, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Whatever. It was... It, it's <laughs> a platform was, out yeah. at sea. Um, and, you know... But again, you're, you know, in that case, you know, the UK still claims sovereignty over it. And right. so no matter where you are, there's always something that can get in the way, right? And and that's what we've seen. There have been attempts and like Iceland was really big for a while and they were going right. to sort of set up. And then all of a sudden like a new, you know, regime came into power and suddenly they were talking about, you know, passing new laws to censor the entire internet. So, you know, the reason to go into space is to to basically get it out of any particular jurisdiction. And this isn't, you know... It's and, the final frontier. <laughs> right. But, you know, and maybe maybe it leads to, you know, a space jurisdiction and maybe you have, you know, the UN or yeah. something. I mean, the, the moon is already all claimed by the, like all of the terrestrial countries. I, I think right. it's all been split up already. So it, it's not that far of a stretch to think that if it becomes worthwhile to that suddenly stake be... claim over certain portions of of space then it'll happen and these are all just constructs that we make have you guys ever seen the map of how antarctica is split up it's absurd they just it's like a pie right (laughs) they 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 all have these wedges all the countries own a wedge right Right. and it's not like is it like that on the moon do they they yeah the moon the moon is already proportioned but how do they proportion it out is it these irregular wedges based on i'm not sure how they did it but i'm i'm sure we can find a map somewhere to show Yes. Who owns what part of the moon? So. It's absurd. Like you just, one day you just shine a laser beam yeah, but, on the moon. But, you know, but it's, it's a little, I'm, I'm going to argue still that it's a little trickier with space because these are things that are, it's not land, right? You right. can't mark it out. You can't put borders mm-hmm. on it. These are things that are moving through space right. and moving across boundaries. They will claim orbits. Trickier. That's what they're living. It's entirely possible that they might. Orbits but so, or geosynchronous, so, you know, coordinates or something. Maybe. Geosynchronous is easy because then you just, you, you project it down on the Earth's surface and then you find the but, sovereign nation yeah, that but, owns that but, spot, and also, right? but but also with geosynchronous, you're so high up that it's not. I mean, it's yeah. it's the the low Earth orbit. If you're going to do internet, it's gonna it's really it got to be low Earth. Yeah. But those things are on orbits that aren't geosynchronous, right? They're like right. No, all no, over it's, the place. It's, they're all over the place. Yeah. Geosynchronous is much higher than yeah, the lower. Exactly. And then orbit. even even if you do somehow chart it out, like how you actually how do you actually enforce this jurisdiction? Right. And, and right. again, I mean, if you begin to think about it. If it if it really gets to the point that it's super cheap, and I'm making you know huge extrapolations and assumptions here, but if it's that cheap, even if governments can do it, then suddenly you can you get you know pirate satellites, right? People will be right. launching satellites into space, and and if you can keep doing it, you know it, it's the same thing where when the satellites are a hundred dollars each or less, right? 
Who cares, right? You you throw up a thousand I mean, of them every I month. Said, I was just thinking, based on what you just said, you know where the easiest place is, the easiest thumbscrew to turn to introduce uh, legislation and regulations. Rocket launches? launches? The launches, yeah. exactly. You just say you can't send something into space. Yeah. All these entities that do the launches, at least for now... We the, need some the, government you, cooperation. You, you, find, you find some country somewhere <laughs> that that sees a huge industry opportunity to be the the country that, that would be India yeah. probably at this point. <laughs> but that's I mean that's basically what if you look at the drone industry, right, yep. that's essentially what the U.S. has done for drones. They said every, all commercial use of drones is illegal, right? right? And if somehow you were to get the entire world to say all low Earth. Orbit then, nanosatellites. Then, so, so, then somebody builds a platform yeah. out at sea, and you launch the rockets from there. I mean, I, exactly. I think it, it becomes difficult. But let me let me let me flip this discussion or to to um, to another question that's related to this. We're sort of talking about the the policy and, and regulatory stuff, focused on this idea that you'd have like the pirate party throwing one of these up. But let's say it's not just the pirate party. When it becomes this cheap, right, and you have the ability for almost anyone to launch it. You could have Google launching, Facebook launching, but then, you know, people could just... Tech, tech Dirt satellite. Tech Dirt could launch its own network. And and so suddenly you have 100, 1,000, 10,000 different, you know, access providers that you could right. you could go to. How does that change the world, right? Well, here's the thing. I I don't know enough about this to, to say this definitively, but... Uh, from what I understand, I mean, the quality of service going to a node that's in space is is nothing if, like a terrestrial if, one, if, right? If if it's if it's low Earth orbit, you can do pretty good, right? You're you're always going to have a slight latency issue, so like you know, really fast paced gaming stuff or stuff mm. that you need, you know, really really. But you could stream high def video, for example. Yeah, but but I, but I mean, I think that's interesting, right? Just to, to think ever present connectivity mm-hmm. globally. Right, it's very interesting. Right, on even a if single, it's low bandwidth, on, on, on a, it's, it's not even low bandwidth. No, it can just, be high bandwidth. Like, the, so the coming down is the, fast, but what about transmitting yeah, back to you the can, satellite? You can get, yeah. you can get it multi-directional at at good speeds. You know, the technology has to get better, but it is getting there, and it always and gets can, better. And and you can do that. And again, you're talking right. about a single account. You would never have to. Anywhere you go, you would never have to use another account. You're on an airplane, right. you're in another country, you're, you know, visiting a friend, you're at McDonald's, it doesn't matter. You're no so, longer... So just answer this question for me. So if people are putting these satellites up there, how do the satellites know what frequency to transmit? Is it just kind of like Wi-Fi then in this in this crazy well, future where yeah. they just look so, for an empty band? So there are, right, so there are there spectrum are questions yeah. and around, right? And so that's another potential area where there could be regulations right. where, but, you know, I'm imagining where the opportunities are going to come are in areas where there is open spectrum available where people expect there to be more open spectrum available. And so, you know, the... You know, these things haven't been decided and they're mm-hmm. not set yet, but they're not, right. you know, they're just decisions that need to be make, made. They're not, you know, And who is the appropriate kind of governing body to establish these spectrum considerations? I mean, this is definitely like a tragedy of the commons potential issue, right? Probably be like well, IEEE is what I mean. I mean, it, it depends, right? And so, right. you know, if if you're worried that that certain, that you'll run into interference or issues, yeah. then that's, that's something to deal with. Yeah. You know, there are arguments to be made that some people make very strongly that the idea of like um spectrum scarcity is kind of a myth and that you can you can architect around that and so if that's true then then you don't run into any issue yeah. at all but you know uh, I'm, not everyone is convinced that that's that's actually how 
we'll find a way. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I think those are all solvable problems is, is what I'm saying. And so what I'm asking is, you know, imagine what or try to imagine kind of what the world looks like in that scenario and how different is it? So so let's think about that world. Let's, for, for example, just imagine that... Um, uh, that this this ubiquitous access to the internet comes through sort of a, a, a mixture of things: balloons, satellites, maybe even like uh, mesh networking. It could be a number of different ways. Yeah. And in a world where no one can turn off your internet access, um, I, I think it won't necessarily be that different or life changing for people in the United States that are, have already had broadband and mm-hmm. relatively free access to things. Uh, I think it, it would be a huge game changer. In, in places, obviously, like like North Korea, if all of a sudden you can get this like $10 Nokia device or something like that that seems very cheap but connects you to the outside world for the first time, I mean, I think it's, I think it's pretty trivial to say that would be society-changing stuff. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one kind of thing. But also just imagine people in like highly religious societies that get like one kind of media sent to them all the time because they, you know, like for example, in Saudi Arabia, they do heavy censorship and, you know, right. Blasphemous stuff is kept out. Um, all of a sudden, I mean, that's 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 huge potential in two directions. I mean, people can just strongly reject that stuff and turn things off and go Amish on the internet, you know, uh, or they can embrace it. Uh, I, I think it's it's. I think it's just way too complicated to predict. Almost right. Like it's it's such a it's it it's a very huge impact basically right for yeah. a huge part of the world I, I think people look at the impact of what the internet is in the united states and 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 sort of underestimate it because we're using it for commercial things and the internet being introduced here didn't fundamentally change the way our political system worked sure but i think the internet and ubiquitous communication being spread across the world yeah. the place where we should take our cues to see how the future will, will play out in other places in the world our cue there should be something like the Arab Spring, like where it's right. not just like, oh, people turn on their, have internet now, so we watch Netflix. No, it's more like people have internet now, they so don't want, they want to change the their regime, right? right? Yeah. It's like a huge change. And that's yeah. just the first step of it, right? And I think U.S. politics has changed a lot. That's probably yeah. a topic for another, yeah, yeah. another whole show, a, but. Yeah, yeah. Discussion on that. But, but yeah, but even, I mean, and not just like Arab Spring stuff. I mean, China, right? I mean, there's there's tremendous censorship of the internet in China right now. So right. imagine that changes, you know. So how would China react to having a, a nano, an uncensored satellite-driven network flying above their country? I would bet that they would start blocking Spectrum. Right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And we, we, actually, in the... In the 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 jurisdiction I was thinking about when I was saying knocking out satellites was specifically China. They right, have the technology right. to do it, and when and then it, there's no governing body. Like if China knocks out my satellite, who do I complain to? Nobody. Well, you don't, right? right. But but then the question is, you know, people keep throwing up satellites on other. We spectrum just keep throwing them up. It's fine. You know, yeah. it's, I it's, mean, uh, when it's that cheap. Yeah, but be... you know, here's the thing: if you're China and you're now the biggest economy in the world. You know, this is going to play out 20, 30 years from now, right? Sure. Or maybe 10, 15. But regardless, China is huge. Either number one or number two in the world. Uh, if China starts telling the United States, hey, uh, I don't want you to let SpaceX keep lobbing these nano satellites right. over our jurisdiction, and right. you better do something about that. We see that as hostile, and we don't care about the entity specifically that's doing it. Might not be the, the U.S. military, but you better pass some laws to make sure that doesn't happen. It would be like basically, imagine we had. Um, you know, uh, how would we feel about it if, and this is not analogous in every way, but I'm just saying, you know, for the argument's sake, imagine there was a 
Chinese trawlers that took garbage and just threw them in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, right? And he, American citizens were like, this is BS. And then the, the Chinese trawlers were like, there's no Chinese law that stops us from doing it. The United States would very quickly say we want some legislation in China that basically stops these trawlers for doing that. And we'd probably use, you know, trade pressure and different ways of doing that. Well, they're going to have a lot of leverage to do similar things, you know? Yeah, but but again, you're you're uh, you're thinking about it in terms of, like, you know, geopolitics today in terms of like, mm-hmm. you know, U.S. versus China. Right. I still wonder when, when this gets cheap enough and these things get cheaper, that becomes a lot more difficult because there's always going to be some country somewhere or some organization that figures out a way to get around those things. Right. And, you know, you, you... Like I'm going to design a nanosatellite that self-replicates, which which then basically gets rid <laughs> no, of the launch problem. No, that's going to get yeah. material well, or, to do that? You know, but again, or again, you figure out how to launch a satellite from, from a platform in the sea and, and right. you can continue to move that around. Mm-hmm. And, or a submarine. Or something. Right, yeah. and and mm-hmm. so these things, it, I'm, you, you might be right, mm-hmm. uh, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if China tries all those things, mm-hmm. or, but, you but, know. but then you know, I'm also curious. You know, there still needs to be a business case to pay for this, right? And if it's sure. not not a business, then the funding needs to come from somewhere. Well, let me ask you a question about the business. So case actually, well, go who, ahead. Who? Who funds these tour uh, servers? Like nobody, isn't it just volunteers that do the gateways? It's, it's yeah, it's mostly volunteers, it's volunteers. And, and certainly it's like like many open source projects, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever found a gateway uh, liable for some sort of criminal activity uh, that happened over yes. tour? Yes, yes, but it's a very special case. But in Austria, they did. Um, and we don't have time to go into all yeah. the details of that, but maybe but, but we'll it happens a, is what you're saying. But but that's the only case where that's happened. It hasn't happened in the U.S. And people mm-hmm. have said in the U.S. it's unlikely to happen. There have been people who've been raided for for running a, a tour mm-hmm. exit node. Um, but you know, here's just a scenario: a whole bunch of people, well-meaning citizens, get together and launch a nano satellite that's open and free from censorship and mm-hmm. government interference, and then someone goes ahead and utilizes that satellite to transmit child pornography. Right. That's but, that's the boogeyman yeah. number one all the sure. time. And then they, the government could say all those everybody who funded that, you know, you didn't but, take but, sufficient care. Yeah, or but like, that, you know what I mean, mean it, it would be an extreme case and there would be so much pushback against something like that. Right. And and you wouldn't be able to, you know, maybe there are some countries that would definitely find some sort of secondary liability in that case. But, you know, the U.S., the, the, it, it, for the most part, very unlikely that would be mm. the case here. And so... Yeah. And it took us 29, 29 minutes to get to the child porn argument, <laughs> um, which I think is some derivant of Godwin's law. So. <laughs> there must be. And and I'm sure, right, I mean, that's going to be the argument that people are going to make. It's the argument that yeah. people make today about Tor and, and, and you know, Wait, encryption. Is, is Tor known kind of for stuff. a huge amount of child pornography or something like that? I, I know there's a legal <laughs> drug trade, but, like, I, I'd never heard of that. Yeah, but. no, there's there's child porn on there as well. Yeah. And so it's... You know, but that's the argument that people have always made against different aspects of the internet. You know, that's the number one. Chris, Chris Hansen is is ready to go in space. <laughs> yeah, he's ready to go on Launch a tour into in space. space yeah. um, but you know, I think it's I I just think it's it's an interesting thing because it it becomes possible and it right now the issue right now is that there are certain sort of semi monolithic um, units that that people can go after for censorship or regulation. Those tend to be the ISPs themselves. And so here's an opportunity to make that much more distributed in a way. And so it takes out one of the key sort of choke points on the internet today. And so that's, And that's really interesting to me. I mean, like what, yeah. what does the world look like in a post-regulatory, post-geopolitical like geopolitical 
jurisdictional world. Right. I mean, it changes a, a whole bunch of things beyond just beyond just like the fact that yeah, people all over the world can in- yeah. access the internet, but you suddenly have questions about and then what? But that's countries yeah. and and legal entities and and mm-hmm. regulations and and all of those things. Yeah. But we're also running out of time, so okay. we're not going to discuss those right now. But um, I will ask for final thoughts if anyone has any final thoughts on this particular issue. You go first. Then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've always loved kind of space as a hobbyist and enthusiast. I think that, you know, the cost as they come down, it's going to be fascinating. And I, I, for one, you know, look, I look forward to what's coming to mm-hmm. our, our satellite overlords, satellite overlords. <laughs> so, and I would love to have my own network up there. Yeah. So my, I, what I'm looking forward to seeing is, I don't know if looking forward is the right word, but what I'm interested in seeing is how states are going to respond to this. I'm, I'm really curious, uh, states and, and certain sectors of the economy, like the copyright industries and, yep. and, uh, you know, I, I think, I think that'll be very interesting. Um, and certainly the, if, if what you say plays out, we're going to see a new form of entrepreneurialism too. It's not Absolutely. just going to be the pirate party. There's going to be different kind of launch, uh, companies and, um yeah so that it's going to be very interesting and there's probably some fortunes to be made there yeah so maybe our, our younger listeners can <laughs> get on and, it yeah get on it right now <laughs> and um, give us some shares <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um right. yeah no i agree i mean i and from my standpoint i mean the thing that i think is most interesting about it is the fact that you know so much of the regulatory stuff that we talk about these days really these days goes back to that single check that single choke point and if that choke point goes away it it just flips the script on so many things and and the fights over copyright the fights over net neutrality the fights over broadband itself become very very different and so you know almost all of the the big policy debates and legal debates that we're having today might be completely obsolete within a period of you know a decade or two and i think that's fascinating all right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back soon. Okay. It's been said Bye. that the first casualty of war is truth. And I'm inclined to agree. Listen. We live in an age of instant information. So isn't it strange that things have been hidden away from us? Governments think we need to gain their trust, but it's the other way around. Just take a look. Nothing tells us more than raw data does. So it's important it's all available to us. Plus...